Welcome to Sales Cultures Redefined, where we transform people with purpose, income, and a better life. Here's your host, CEO of Sales Managed Solutions, Lance Cooper. Well, everybody, I'm glad uh, that you decided to listen in today. I have Mark Irwin with me. He is from North Carolina and Statesville, North Carolina. He has three beautiful children and his wife, uh, Kimberly, uh, and then Victoria, Zoe, and Xander. He lives in Statesville. He's been working 12 years for cellular sales. I find it very interesting that right before that, and I didn't know this, he was driving a forklift for Ingersoll Rand. Uh, Wow, a forklift, and now he's leading a sales team. But he left the forklift and went with a major retailer for uh, wireless before he joined up with Sell Your Sales. Uh, and so now he's in North Carolina. He runs the Clemens store in North Carolina. And the last two months, his, uh, his group of people have been number one in income produced, and he expects to do that again this month. But I, but I know the journey hasn't been perfect. And I'm looking forward to hearing what his early years were like with cellular sales, how he how he found leadership, and then um, what those early days in leadership were like, so that he can share his knowledge with everybody listening. And maybe there's something we can pick up that will help us improve the way our reps are performing on the job. So I'm going to toss the first question to Mark, and what I'm going to ask him is, um, Tell me about the first few years with cellular sales until you became a leader. What was that like? How long was that? What was the transition like? And so let's start there. Uh, came to uh, cellular sales in 2009. I had been with the other retailer for two years before that. Um, they were really good at uh, teaching to take care of the customer and uh, be ethical, um, have a lot of integrity, uh, good Christian people uh, that taught those values and stuff, but didn't teach the sales uh, aspect very much of it. So when I came to cellular sales, uh, was under the leadership of Melissa Lucas. Um, she, uh, along with several others on the team, uh, the examples to follow, I really began to see what it was like to be more of an aggressive hunting slash farming uh, sales rep. And I remember when I first, when I first came, it was funny, you know, it was like, I thought to myself, every day I don't work, I lose about 250 to 300 bucks. So I just want to work every day, you know, and of course had, you know, young family at that point. So couldn't do that. But, um, you know, beginning of the, the, that journey uh, was learning that and learning, uh, you know, the 30 second commercial and put my name and number in every phone and, uh, after Melissa um, moved on, uh, Mike Reppy uh, took over, and I was kind of Mike's assistant, uh, kind of his right-hand man, and, you know, earned a lot of, uh, built a lot of relationships with the team in doing that, um, and sometimes it's easier to come to the uh, come to the assistant than it is to come straight to the leader, so uh, I built a lot of relationships there, and um, in that, you know, continuing to sell and, uh, and you know, led the board uh, or, you know, fairly close to it most of those times. And uh, that was kind of the journey up to uh, leadership uh, for me. Well, thanks. Uh, and, and by the way, congratulations on how well your team is doing today. But let's run, run all the way back to where you were 
uh, selling and doing well selling, learning from Melissa and from Mike. And when was that first leadership position? Where were you? Um, what was what was that like? And how did you get that opportunity? Well, it's kind of uh, it's it's a it's a funny story. Um, but uh, again, selling uh, selling uh, you know mostly out of Statesville, but I worked some in the uh, Hickory store uh, and industry and. Um, they started a new thing where uh, Don and Scott had decided to let you. And then there was kind of, there wasn't a store lead model. It was a team lead model. So you had a team leader over three to four stores and they decided to uh, take a vote for the leadership. And they asked the team to elect their leaders. And um, the team elected me uh, to start leading um, and I, I don't think Don and Scott were expecting that uh, because Mike was doing, you know, a, a good job and a great guy. And uh, I learned so much from him. And I think uh, it was a, I think it was a shock to all of us, myself included. Um, but that's where that happened. I was, um, like I said, you know, just I had a lot of good relationships with the team and uh, built a lot of friendships. But, you know, uh, when they did that vote, the team voted me in uh, unbeknownst to, I think, really anyone. Uh, so that's, that's how the transition into leadership uh, started. I knew it was something I wanted to do. I'm always, I always, I've always enjoyed more than anything, seeing people's lives um, be able to improve and grow and helping people reach um, a higher potential than what they currently, you know, may, may reside at. And it, it's always been something I've loved to do, even, even that young in my life and much more so now, but I knew I wanted to do that, and I saw Mike, um, who had he had such a he had such a passion for helping people, um, and I learned so much of that, you know, from being there with him and going through that. So that's kind of where it started. I had a desire for it. I didn't even know what it meant, uh, truthfully. I had no idea uh, what I was doing, and then all of a sudden to be elected in uh, for something you didn't even know you were running for was was, was very interesting to say the least. Well, that's a great story. Uh, but when you were driving a forklift and later working for that other retailer, and even before, I, I really don't know a lot about your background relative to sports or other situations where you might have been thrust into a leadership position. Did you, was there any leadership in your background before you were voted in? No, sir. Um, again, just uh, I went to a very small Christian school. Um, so, I guess, you know, we were, uh, there was 12 in my graduating class. So, um, you know, being being one of the guys there was pretty easy to lead, but um, I played sports, but never was the best by any means or a leader in that regard. Um, so no, not really. It was, um, I, you know, when I was driving the forklift, my buddy who worked for the other retailer said, man, I think you'd be good at this, we're hiring. And, uh, you know, he said, I think you're good with people. And I was like, you know what, I'll interview. Ingersoll Rand had just had some sort of a takeover. They had gotten purchased, uh, the section I worked in had gotten purchased. So everybody was unsure of the jobs and all this stuff where we're going to have a job and all this. So I went for the interview. I interviewed very well. They liked me and I came on. And I, I've always had good people skills um, in, in being able to talk to people and and had, a, you know, a, an interest in that, I guess. So uh, but no, I, I really didn't have any leadership um, experience in that way at all. 
Yeah, well, that makes this a real interesting transition because you had some people skills, and I guess that's why you started to uh, move from handling equipment to working with people. And then you were working with uh, Sell Your Sales, and this moment occurred where the team voted you in, but you had no experience up to that moment leading people. You had relationship-based selling going on for you, but leading people. Now, what was that transition like for you? What kind of problems did you face with the team or with yourself in that transition? Well, it was scary because, you know, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing and I knew I cared about the team and I knew I wanted the best for them, but getting those results were, and I, I had no clue what to do. I, I knew that, um, I knew that uh, I needed to have a standard. I knew that we had to have something we were going to work toward. And I cared about the people enough to expect the best from them. But boy, the um, the uncertainties of what to do just, just drove a lot of great relationships with the team. And the team loved me, but I didn't know how to get the results uh, from them. Um, so it, it led to a lot of, uh, I like to call it feeling like the only man on the island. <laughs> Um, you know, it was, I felt like I had, you know, this big chain and I was trying to pull everybody forward, but it had, had no, had no idea how to create, um, you know, help and how to relinquish that help. I had a lot of control issues. Um, and it led to a lot of self-doubt. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe. And, and ultimately after a couple years of doing it, um, we weren't hitting goal. I felt so discouraged. I felt like I wasn't the right man for the job and uh, ultimately just stepped, stepped away, went back to just being a sales rep because I felt so alone and felt so defeated. Uh, and I just, I hated that feeling and thought I was wrong for it. And this was a mistake. And so that's kind of uh, how, how, how frustrating that became for me. Wow, that really does sound frustrating. It, it, it actually sounds depressing. It sounds like you might have some long nights thinking thinking about all of this. And and then did you say you transitioned back to a sales rep at that point for a while? I did. I stepped, uh, stepped back into the sales rep role. That was when my son uh, had just been born. I was, I was working a lot, a lot, a lot. And um you know, had no, had, had very little belief and self-confidence, uh, you know, in myself and, and really not so much self-confidence, but belief in myself uh, that I could do it or I was the man for the job. And um, my wife was very supportive through the whole thing. She uh, was constantly disagreeing with me, though, that I was not the man for the job or that I would, I, I should believe in myself. Uh, and she's always believed in me. And had a lot of self-esteem issues, uh, especially younger. She's helped me through that a lot. So I can't tell you how grateful I am to her. But yeah, uh, my son had just been born and I just felt like I was missing so much uh, with the kids growing and everything. Um, and I thought, you know what, I just, I, it, if this is causing me this much, you know, depression and burden and struggle, maybe I should just step away. And uh, in hindsight now, that was the absolute best decision and best thing that I could have done. Um, when I did that, uh, Nathan took over as the, the team lead there. And Nathan was 
you know Nathan and most people uh, that don't know Nathan, he was uh, he was very good at sales, uh, very uh, caught up in um, you know uh, strong selling tactics, but didn't have the great relationship side. And uh, you know by proxy, when I stepped down, just became a rep again. I uh, started selling, you know, really to prove a point to myself that I you know could do it and was going to do it at, at the highest level and did. Uh, but started working with him and he had, he had worked with me previously already. And I was trying to help him through some of those things. And he was trying to help me through the, the production side of it. We ended up forming, you know, an even closer friendship and bond at that point and became really the, the yin to each other's yang and, uh, and really started, you know, learning from each other and both grew in that way, for sure. That was a, that was a very mature, and strong move back to selling. I don't see that as weakness at all. I saw that. I see that as uh, important for your family, important for you at that moment. And so I guess the, the question that begs itself right now is how did you find your way back to leadership? You know, <laughs> I mean, what, what was that? How I didn't even know this occurred uh, Mark. So how did yeah. that happen? So, um, you know, they, uh, after the team lead program, we went to more of the store lead model. And I, at that point, Nathan had done uh, really the unprecedented thing that the rest of the market had not, where we had gone mostly store specific at that point. Each rep only worked in a certain store instead of rotating. And for a long time, it was a very unpopular uh, thing, but we found a lot of value in uh, the ownership of the location and the customer. So I was mostly in the Statesville uh, location at that point. When they began the uh, store lead program, Nathan approached me. It had been, uh, I guess, two and a half, three years, maybe, since I had uh, stepped away. Nathan approached me and said, look, I think you'd be perfect for this. Um, The team respects you. Uh, The team, you know, uh, you have the heart of the team. I think you'd be, you know, the man for the job. So I thought long and hard about it. and, you know, when uh, I talked to my wife and I decided, you know what, I, I think I had grown so much and I'd learned so much from him and, uh, you know, just the journey I'd been on that I thought, you know, what, I think I, I think I can do this. And uh, that's where that, you know, that transition back into uh, leadership for Sailor Cell started. And it's been it's been it's been great uh, since then. Uh, the. The Statesville team, um, we went through after after my taking over, we started recruiting. We recruited some really great, uh, really great reps, uh, many reps who now are other sales leaders in Nathan's district. Uh, Courtney, Courtney Basil, uh, Adam Bridges, Jeff Adams, um, all of those people came from my old Statesville crew. Um, and boy, you talk about, you know, a, a store full of rock stars. And it was, uh, you know, we had we had fun. It was good. You know, when you look back, you know, you made the transition to sales rep, and then here we are, Nathan, asking you to be a leader and actually breathing some confidence in you, and you've had that yin and yang experience, his results orientation, your people skills. When you took the team over, did you behave differently in specific ways? And if you could tell me what those ways were that you behaved or or maybe your attitude was different, or I don't know. What, what was the difference in you? What did you change? I learned. I learned from Nathan that um, a good leader, as far as on the production side, they they lead by example. They set the expectations and they hold people accountable. 
And the way you do that, and I think layered in with investing time into each rep uh, and a not just one, but a, a, a beginning of the month one-on-one setting um, where you sit down and, you know, you take a genuine interest in that person in their lives and you learn the names of their spouses and their children. And you sit down and ask them, you know, how's Maddie doing? How's she doing in school? Things going better there. And, you know, in those sessions, and I, they've, they've of course grown and, and, you know, I've gotten better at them since then, but you know, in those sessions, the first 20 minutes is just conversation about their life and what's going on in their life and what, you know, what's good, what's bad, you know, how can I help? And then it's a look at last month's results and then a look at, you know, the the, the goals for the next month and the actions and plans we're going to take to get there. And I think that was the difference. And I, I loved people and I wanted to help them. But putting those tools and those processes in the place, it just made it seem very, very simple to me. And I made it seem like, okay, this is easy. I just need to lead by example. I need to set the expectations and let them know what I need to do, hold them accountable. And I'm just going to love on them. I'm going to spend time with them. And I'm going to make sure that they know that, you know, I've got their back and I would do go to any links to, to make sure they're successful. Ah, wow. Mark, uh, a lot of changes. Now, when, when I hear the word accountable, and I'm thinking through a store leader's eyes that may be listening to you talk right now, I'm wondering, what does that look like? You know, the word is a good word, but what does it look like on a daily basis when Mark goes to a store that he's leading that's performing so well right now? What does it look like for you to do this? I think, uh, I think you have to have the heart of the people, the following of the people first. And after you do, um, you know, uh, you, uh, I learned it from you. It's a, uh, it's a clear talk session. Uh, you're very kind yet direct. Um, to hold someone accountable when a, you know, when we, we, we talk about habits and, and, you know, teaching habits and having those habits that, and when they don't happen, there's a accountability there or a, a discipline, just a, hey, you know, look, we talked about this, you know, this, this has to happen. It's so important. And I like to tell, I like to tell the reps the why. Look, you know, greeting customers at the door and opening the door for them is important because it makes them feel valued. And you think about perception and that's just one example, but, you know, holding them accountable to the habits that we, that we are standards. Um, holding them accountable to, um, you know, certain numbers, holding them accountable to really and honestly, it, it boils down to giving their best in every single day, in every situation. Uh, I've tried to I've tried to take that approach even with my children is, look, if a B is your best, I couldn't be more thrilled, you know, but if an A is your best, you know, we got to, you know, we got to have our best given every day. And that's that's really what it boils down to is uh, is giving your best every single day, working while at work and setting that example of doing it yourself. Tell them that's what you expect of them. And then when they don't do it, hey, we talked about this. We agreed that this is the right thing to do. Time to start doing it. Do you wait very long before you have those conversations? No, sir. They're immediate. As soon as I see see the action or lack of action um, happen. It's a, it's a, Hey, let me pull you to the side. And, and I think it's important that, you know, when you see the good things, 
that you are encouraging and praising along that way and making sure that they know, Hey, I noticed, I noticed the bad and you know, I'm going to notice the bad. Uh, but, but I noticed those good things too. And I, and I see that progress and I see, you know, when you do hold the door, it's, it's sending out a group message to the group saying nice work. So-and-so on uh, getting that door for that customer looks great. I bet you, I bet you they feel valued. And it's those little praises and progresses and, you know, in those one-on-ones, you can learn people and learn whether they like the private praise or public. And, you know, it's tailoring really each um, each person to to what they like and, and knowing them and uh, and just making sure those those non-negotiables are non-negotiable. Mark, uh, let's run all the way back to when you got Clemens and you decided to um, reinvest yourself in being a leader. Sure. Now you've got these folks and they're not number one in North Carolina, right? It's not the number one store at that point. So sure. where were you when you took it over? What were the problems you were facing in that store? And then talk a little bit about the transition and maybe even some folks that made transitions with you sure. along the way. Um, well, when I stepped back into leadership, it was in Statesville. Uh, we had, we built the Statesville crew up really good. Josh Reynolds had, gotten promoted to be a district lead. He was then the store leader of Clemens and Clemens was a higher volume store just by traffic. Um, but we were, we were pretty at Statesville um, competitive with them. And some months were bouncing, you know, up to Clemens and up in that top three to five area some months. But, um, you know, Nathan uh, approached me about moving over to Clemens. I had uh I had someone ready. I had Jeff Adams ready to take my place uh, when that happened, um, or if you know I got an offer. Um, so I, I, he asked me, he approached me about taking the Clemens store, which was you know kind of kind of I didn't I was I, I thought man the opportunity is good. It's about a thirty minute drive for me uh, instead of a four minute drive to the Statesville store uh, with where I live. Um, but I saw the uh, you know the numbers that they did, and I saw the growth and opportunity. And Nathan told me he said if you go to Clemens and do what you've done at Statesville, you know, you'll grow the numbers and, uh, you know, it'll be well worth, you know, the drive. And so I did, um, decided to do that. Um, got in there, they were an extremely great, uh, camaraderie team. They, uh, they were all a bunch of very good friends, uh, and buddies and, uh, they were great at selling accessories. Um, so my, my plan of action was going in was to get, you know, two or three people, uh, start good in there, start selling, just selling everything I could, you know, that wasn't tied down and bring a couple, uh, people that I, I felt like I could trust along with me, uh, to start developing the culture. And my main goal then was as far as production, uh, was keep the accessories where it's at, but, um, get the insurance numbers better and get the RIS, uh, experience better. So, um, we worked very hard at that, and uh, Will Hicks was instrumental in uh, helping me develop that culture. Uh, Will's still my assistant, uh, you know, a manager, a right-hand guy who does all the operational things and keeps the store looking great. But Will, Will bought in uh, to me almost right away. Um, and uh, along the journey, uh, you know, we we've recruited well. Uh, we we uh, we. I think I have two original people still with me uh, from that from that group. We recruited well. Kurt Cass Stevens, 
another one of the uh, the key role players in that um, that uh, that helped you know with performance and production, and now also going through you know mentoring training and uh, leadership training and wanting to grow and do better with that. Um, but that's kind of been the 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 goal, and uh, for the numbers have just 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 went way 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 north. So how many months has it been, or years has it been that you've had Clemens? Uh, October, no, sorry, uh, September will be three years. This September will be three years. So it's been it's been just 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 almost three, right under right under three. Okay, and and some of your first uh, focus areas were on customer service and yes. Uh, and, and and the scores there, but today I understand that the performance of your reps is, I don't want to say it's off the charts, that's like an overused metaphor, but it's a blip on the charts relative to other teams. And I want you to explain a little bit about that and, 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 and tell what the performance is and maybe talk in terms of C-score or whatever the other store leaders would understand you're talking about right now and, and explain some of the awards that your people have received. And maybe even if you want to pick somebody that's a real good coaching story for you to talk about that as well. So I've given you a lot here in this question. Sure, let's, sure. let's start off with performance. Okay. So our performance right now, uh, since January, we're averaging $7,342. Uh, and that's total income per rep. So that's after um, each month, I, I kind of keep a rolling chart of um, what we do in C-Score, uh, which will, of course, you know, give the bonus multipliers. We we average tier five each month and have each month uh, for this year, um, which gives us a 30%, you know, increase, which makes our total uh, uh, income 73.42 per rep. So it's a big, it's a big accomplishment for me. You know, the, the Blue Blazer um, thing that we have, accolade that we have, we're averaging that. Um, the important thing to know there is, too, we're properly staffed. Um, we have a full staff of uh, 14 getting ready to add three more. So we'll be at 17 reps pretty soon, uh, which is very exciting to me, which means, um, you know, things are only going to get better. Um, and, you know, averaging over that Blue Blazer average since January. So in first and second quarter, I can't wait to see what we can do in third and fourth quarter. Um so it, uh, it's it's really uh, it's really going good there. We've um, we've focused heavily, and always a passion of mine has been VAPS per phone. Um, you know, increasing your opportunity, but um, you know, in that uh, in those opportunities, getting a quality sale, and that quality sale being insurance. You know, your, the proper setup. Uh, you know, now with uh, you know Apple and Samsung giving us the opportunities, now a third accessory is just uh, standard. That's just what that's just what we do. You, know, you need that charging block, so that's going to give you that third accessory. So, you know the the as good as they were at accessories, we've increased that as well. So, um, and and my my team has been so instrumental. And you asked me if there's a good coaching story. It's hard for me to even want to take credit for any of these guys. They're just so raw talent, naturally good, and the recruiting's been done so well. But um, it's really it's really awesome to see. You know, those numbers when someone will get hired or come to me and start off and they're, you know, their VAPS per phone are, you know, 95 bucks. And, you know, now they've grown it to 118 to 120 per phone. 
and that north movement, and that gradual growth movement each month. And we look at those numbers and we compare them to last month to this month. And we look at everything and we say, man, this is great. All right. So what are we going to do to move this number north? And with every metric of C-score, it's all right, cool. You did this last month. What are we shooting for this month? And the culture, you know, or the habit there is we're always moving north. There is no lateral. There is no, oh, okay, I did 20 new last month. That was pretty good. I'll stick with 20. Ah, I bet we can shoot for 22. You know, there's just always that growth or that, you know, trying to grow or trying to be better. And, uh, and it's, it's been it's been really cool. Uh, it's been really cool to see. There's so many good moments and stories. It would be hard to even say what the, the most notable one was. Um, you know, so, uh, you were talking about 7,300 uh, and change, right? I just yeah. want to let you know. How many, what's, the total, what's the total number of reps you have? Uh, 14 currently. We just added two more, but 12. We've been at 12 basically since January off and on with some moving people in, moving some people out that, uh, that needed to go, things like that. Okay. Well, you probably don't know this because North Carolina hasn't separated out the store leaders and put them on the sales team leaderboard for the nation for sell your sales that goes out two or three times a month. But I want you to know that your group of people are number one in the nation. Oh, wow. Really? Oh, yeah. And I wish we could get uh, Scott to get all the store leaders on there because it would help them to see their progression as they get better. Um, but yes, you're leading, you're definitely, you're definitely, no one has 7,300 uh, average uh, in the nation. And, and so that begs a question because that can't come from just the wonderful store stuff that people walking in the door, because you said that was pretty high anyway, it can't come from that. So if I was going to enter your culture, what would, the expectations be for me? What, 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 what would I look around and see this culture doing that's going to generate business at that level when it's not all going to come from the store? How much time do you have? <laughs> well, just, just explain. I'm a new rep, so let's, let's take five or 10 minutes if you want to and tell me how, how am I going to be generating sales that, that are going to be at that level or higher? Because some of your people are higher than that. Because that's yes. that's an average. Yes. So, how are you getting all these unshared sales or, or all these sales? What do they do? What's the habit look like if I'm watching the store and entering it as a new rep? The habits are: um, we watch the parking lot very very carefully. Uh, we um, we have really uh, tried to dive deep into the door dazzle thing. Uh, we open the door for the customer, greet them. You know, of course, at the door by holding the door for them. Um, Ask them what they're there for, greet, you know, exchange names, ask them what they're there for, immediately come back to the desk, pull their account every single time. Um, we're then, you know, coming through the account, seeing how we can help them. We're going through the discovery process after we've made a connection. Um, we're going through and finding out, you know, more about them and their life. And then uh, just kind of give that overall great experience where the customer feels valued. But where the, I think the magic uh, kind of takes over and happens is uh, at the end of the sale, after we've built that great relationship and great rapport with the customer, it's, um, it's selling ourselves. It's putting our name and number in every phone every single time. It's having that 30-second commercial. It's uh, telling the customer, you know, and, and specifically, you know, I, 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 would, I would hear at times and still hear at times 
newer reps or certain reps say, call me if you have any questions. And I tell them, I'll pull them to the side and say, hey, that sounded great, man. Uh, can I can I tell you something I saw? What do you think that customers are going to do? Uh, when are they going to call you? I say, call me when they need something. Okay, but specifically, what did you tell them to tell to call you for? They said, I guess for questions. I'm like, perfect. And then they're going to be sitting across the room buying a phone from somebody else after they called you with 10 questions. So tell them. Call me when you have a question. Call me when it's time to buy a new phone. When your friends, family members, coworkers. So we dive really deep into, oh. and each month in our one-on-one sit-downs, I will have them, especially when they're newer. And when I know that they're good at it and their appointment percents, you know, in the 50% or better, that's kind of, I kind of, you know, let them do their thing because they're successful. But I tell them, all right, so you just sold me this phone. We've sat here and had a great time. Tell me what, you, give me your 30 second commercial. And we'll sit there and we'll break it down. I'll tell them what I liked. I'll, I'll ask their permission to tell them what I saw. And I'll ask their permission if I can do my 30 second commercial for them. And we do that with every single metric of, of C-score, really, uh, it's insurance. All right, so give me your insurance pitch. You know, and that's what we do in our one-on-one sit-downs is, and these sit-downs, they, you know, they're a little miniature, um, you know, foundation interview every single month. And these sit-downs, you know, can take 45 minutes to an hour, uh, sometimes more um, if they're new and I'm learning about them. But each category, whether it be combos and how we pitch combos, how we position them, what promotions this month are we focused on to make sure that the promotions are happening? Um, so, but, you know, to, to round back to your, your question of what does it look like? What do we do? That 30-second commercial is not just a, hey, put my name and number in your phone, call me. It's a very surgical 30-second commercial that sounds a specific way every time. And everybody, it gets to the point where now everybody kind of pitches insurance the same way in the store. Everybody does a 30 cent commercial the same way. Callbacks sound the same way. You know, our two day, 14 day, 30 day, three months, six month, one year, all those sound, you know, uniform. Uh, in, the, in the first few, we're checking on you, making sure you're happy. And then we started asking for those referrals and start layering that stuff in. Um, so, uh, you know, when you're a new rep, those are the things that I'm very passionate about teaching you is the quality sale, making sure that the customer only buys their phones from you from now on and how to follow up and prospect, you know, in your downtime, making sure those things are happening, that we're not just letting the waiting for the door to swing. Because, yeah, the store is busy, but there's enough reps in my store that if you just sit there and let the door swing, you won't, you won't make the money that you need to make. And they understand that. Wow. So it sounds like there's just a heavy emphasis on working with and helping and getting as much of an income from the people walking in and a great reaction in terms of how you serve them as you can do. Yes, and the, the last part that you kind of just tossed in there were that there, people do make prospecting calls. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I like to call us hunting farmers. Hunting farmers. Wow. wow. What I like to call us um, the farming. To me, the farming aspect is so important because it it's just a, it's an infinite, you know, funnel when people are sending you those referrals. And uh, when you layer in the hunting where you go out and find the additional business that's not already be, being funneled to you from the farming you've done, it can really make for an exceptional paycheck. Mm. 
and, a, and an exceptional customer experience. Customers feel that value when you want to call them and tell them about, you know, the great deal that's going on, that Verizon, you know, the promotion they have going on, things like that. And customer values that. The customer likes being taken care of. Everybody likes to feel cared for. And, uh, you know, we, we transitioned that into the, all right, so you got people reaching out to you, but now in your downtime, what are you doing? Are we staying busy? And, you know, my, my favorite saying, and I'm sure if my guys were here, they'd tell you, you know, they'll hear me once they, they'll get about five minutes worth of, you know, water coolerness going on, which I'm good with. Camaraderie smart. After about five minutes, I'll say, all right, boys, I hate to break up y'all's checker game, but we got work to do. Uh, <laughs> at the, you know, I, I'll say that to them, you know, when they get in those modes. and But you'll see instantly, boom, it's like cockroaches when the lights come on. They'll be over and they'll be on the phones and making it happen. So it's, uh, you know, are we perfect? No. And we discussed that, you know, in our uh, training today. Are we perfect? Are we there yet? No, we got we got room to grow. We got room to grow. We got, uh, you know, our, our appointment percent. Uh, you know, is in the 35 to 40% range. I want it to be 50 uh, for the store. I want it to be, and we're not the number one in the state for that. So that's a big focus of mine right now. Uh, so we've got only improvement to do. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, I think you're starting to date yourself with checkerboard discussions. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yes, uh, it's really uh, cool to see the transition that you've been talking about. And the things that you've told me that you're focused on in coaching every day, I find them very similar to, a, to well, I find them very simple. And years ago, there was a quote by St. Francis of Assisi. He said, hey, just start doing what's possible and the impossible occurs. So 7,300 and change in income per person to a lot of store leaders in America is impossible. But you have been working three years on the basics, open the account, you know, make people feel good at the door, call them back. Uh, um, you know, the, the things that can be done that anybody can do if they do them consistently, you know, make prospecting calls. So I just really appreciate uh, what I hope it's been a very encouraging uh, discussion from you on how you made these trans the transition, how your people are doing now. And it's the last, the very last thing I want to say. You, you've got some store leaders or sales team leaders or whatever folks want to call them out there listening right now. So, what what parting advice would you give them? You know, they're, they're taking over a place, all right? They're like you before. They're scared. Maybe they've not had leadership in the past, and yet they want to help people. And that's there. So what, what parting advice would you give them? Believe in yourself, but find someone that you trust and seek counsel from them. And keep it, keep, find a process through books, through trainings, through teachings, whatever, and follow that process. If that process has been successful for other leaders, coaches, trainers in the past, it can be successful for you. And it's, again, I'll, you know, lead by example. They won't do it if you don't do it. Set the expectation. Tell them what you want. Tell them what money you want for them. Tell them what you expect to have happening day in and day out. And then when you're leading by example and you tell them what you want, hold them accountable, but 
all in all, they have to know you love them. Wow. Yeah, that last statement, they got to know you love them, uh, it isn't something soft. It's It's got to do with helping them. I really appreciate you, Mark. Thank you for giving your time. Um, get out there and keep leading and, and keep helping everybody the way you are. Thank um, you. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. You have just listened to Sales Cultures Redefined. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play, and we'll see you at the next episode.